0: Right, you know what that sound means. I am Mitch Maley, and this is the Bradenton Times podcast. And we are back after a week off. My guest is Mr. Mark Vandery. And if you have ever watched the Manatee County Commission meeting, chances are you've seen him give public comment. And his thoughtful and intelligent positions uh, is what drew my attention to him. And I invited Mark to come in and speak with us today. Thanks for coming by, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Now, uh, let's start with a little bit of your background. Clearly, just from the comments that I've seen, you give you obviously have some expertise in, in engineering and uh, you know some of these other matters. Um, and I understand you've lived here a long time, in Florida. Yeah, yeah. I've,
1: I've been uh, in the uh, Minnesota area, Manatee County, Sarasota area for over fifty years. Went to high school down in Venice in the early seventies, and uh, went on to get my engineering degree. Was uh, very fortunate to. Work on some pretty high-profile projects over my career since I've uh, retired a few years back. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, what kind of
0: engineering did you do?
1: I, I was uh, in instrumentation and controls, electrical and mechanical systems, process engineering. Uh, worked on a number of uh, hazardous waste remediation projects. Uh, right out of school back in the 70s, you know, remember the oil embargoes? yeah. Uh, we had a president back then uh, by the name of Jimmy Carter, and he was uh, all about sustainable energy, mm-hmm. and he put a lot of uh, money into research at the time. And I was fortunate to work on some of those projects, alternate energy sources, and uh, trying to wean ourselves off of uh, coal and oil.
0: That was an interesting time because when you look back, you know, I was the only a kid at the time, but the Carter administration was the first. That really looked, you know, and if you kind of go all the way back to when US oil companies and everything started investing in the Middle East, and then, you know, there was a very tumultuous time in the Middle East in the 70s, and Carter kind of had this vision that, look, if we're long term energy invested in getting these fuels from this historically unstable region, there's a lot of potential downside to that. And Boy, did that play out! Uh, but he had the idea that we really kind of need to divest ourselves from this, you know, tremendous reliance that we have economically on this part of the world, and look to start developing alternative resources uh, in addition to the, you know, the, the natural domestic resources that, that we also have. But the big shift in that, at least symbolically, and then of course it certainly came with regulation at, or deregulation. Uh, and policy, was on the very first day that Reagan took office, I remember they took down the solar panels from the roof of the, of the White House. And that was a message saying, yeah, we're we're done with that. That, that
1: was a message, yeah. I, I think that was the last time we really had a, a, um, a sustainable energy policy. Now the energy policy is, well, let's see if we can find more oil to dig out of the ground. Right, you know. right. But, yeah, and, you know, also at that time in the 70s, there was a lot of concern about um, the clean air, clean water. We had the Clean Air, yeah. Clean Water Acts in, instituted. And by, by
0: Nixon, by the way. So that, that by, really... By, by Nixon. yeah. Historically, yeah. like, when you look at environmental records of presidents, you haven't had a president probably since Nixon slash, you know, uh, when, when Carter followed him, not one since... Can approach their environmental records, and I mean, when you go back to you know Teddy Roosevelt was was a, a you know really bona fide uh, cons- conservationist, and that used to be a core tenet of the Republican Party. And when you think you know being conservative, uh, conserving natural resources is is should go hand in hand with that. But for you know people under forty today, that probably sounds incredibly odd because the Republican party really abandoned that ethos. And like you said, it just became a, you know, every policy in which we could extract as m- much fossil fuels as possible. And really the only thing that that has changed our energy independence is new technologies, new ways to do that. Some of which are very expensive, some of which are very energy intensive themselves and often very dirty. So, you know, we've, we've figured out how to hydro fracture, uh, you know, gas and and, you know, shale and and oil reserves that weren't accessible before with new technologies. And only really because the price of, of the market price of these products have gone up so drastically. Now it actually makes sense to go and get some of those reserves that were always kind of inaccessible, even like tar sand oil and stuff like that, where it didn't really ever look like it was going to make sense to try to create a process to, to extract that. And, Boy, I think a lot about had we just not made that shift, what the world might look like today. That, that, that I think when we go back and rewrite the history of that time period, that was a pivotal decision.
1: Right. I mean, looking back in history, I mean, there, there are a lot of things that humans have done. That we look back and say, well, that was probably not a really good idea. Right. You, know, you go back to the Roman times. Okay, well, let's drink our water out of lead cups. Yes. And, yes. and convey our water in lead pipes and even even to this day, we're still having problem with with conveying right. lead in uh, lead pipe uh, water around. Um, you know, it's hopefully we we would learn and not repeat the the past mistakes. Well, that's before. a great
0: segue into talking about our topic today, because Florida has a made a tremendous amount of mistakes over the years with its ecology. Uh, you know, from draining the Everglades. Uh, uh, how we've treated wetlands so far. You could certainly argue, you know, what we've what we've done with phosphate mining. And we don't seem to be learning some of the lessons. So one of the things that that you brought up in several meetings that I had not considered, that I found very fascinating, was the idea, and and you know, I think you'd agree that we're moving policy-wise in Mandy County at like this breakneck pace of rewriting how we're doing everything. And there's not a whole lot of questions being asked. There's not a whole lot of debate, if any, being had. It seems to me as if we're working from a mindset of the the special interests who want to do one thing, which is I want to squeeze every bit of profit I can out of the land that I have in developing it and selling homes on it. And this is how I want to do it. So let's reverse engineer an answer in which county staff that's supposed to be working for, you know, the, the the public is then instead explaining how, yes, exactly what they want is fine. And you brought up the idea of the water facilities, and as we're, you know, as the Brayton Times has reported uh, uh, continuously over the past two years almost now, this idea, hey, we're just going to develop a whole bunch east of the future development area boundary. So we have this line, which we... we drew a long time ago and said, hey, you know, our development is going to be moving west to east. It's going to be focused throughout the urban core. Uh, and east of this one line, we're not really looking to develop that. Those are our historically agrarian hamlets where it's almost all zoned agricultural, which means you could build a house on it, but it's one every five acres. Um, you We're not bringing county services to you, so you're going to have to do a well and a septic and all that. And that's not really, there's not... Thankfully, there's not a lot of demand for that because I I don't want to have more septic tanks and so forth. Uh, And there was never a lot of that kind of development going on. Uh, But now this idea that, well, a lot of people want to move here and we've got to build houses, so let's kind of scrap that line and just do these developments. So we passed this policy of, of, you know, it was supposed to, it was sold as, well, it's only really going to affect this part of Lakewood Ranch. And uh, they've been so successful, they built the whole thing out and we're going to let them stretch it a little bit um, but now we have numerous developments that have been approved on this policy of you know contiguous and conterminous, and that definition has been stretched to the limit. But you asked the question of has anybody studied whether these water facilities have the capacity to push out that much water to all these new developments? Because they're designed with as as I understand it, with the FDAB in place and with, with the amount of density that that suggests. And I haven't heard anybody give you an answer on that yet.
1: Yeah. You know, as an engineer, uh, as a professional engineer in the state of Florida and other states, it's not just an ethical requirement, it's a legal requirement that uh, engineers hold paramount the safety, the well-being, and the health of the public. Okay. And for my continuing education uh, last year, I was fortunate to take a course uh, from a Matt McCon, and uh, it was about sustainable engineering. And I'd like to quote from his uh, lecture in that he said that the conversion of natural habitats is degrading human well-being for short-term private gain. He said this is not an argument against development, but an argument that preserving as much as possible of what remains and restoring as much as possible of what has already been degraded makes enormous economic and moral sense. So to that point, you know, we are fortunate in this era, we're very blessed to have uh, a tremendous amount of uh, potable water sources. We have uh, several rivers, uh, several very uh, prolific uh, aquifers, and... Um, that uh, we get our drinking water from. Out East Manatee County, we have the Manatee River. We have Lake Manatee that uh, was impounded in the 60s with the dam that supplied uh, the Lake Manatee Reservoir. We have the Braden River and the Evers Reservoir, and those two watersheds are in predominantly East County. And we have Peace River. We have Mayaka River. The two aquifers, we have the Floridan uh, upper and lower aquifers, plus I think there's four other main Florida aquifers that cover Florida, Alabama, Georgia, so forth. But uh, those are deep, deep water aquifers, not surface water. They're not even really considered uh, uh, upper ground water. And because of that, the Manatee County... Uh, has a policy for their water plant production, for their water supply. There is a policy that they need to conserve and preserve the watershed areas that service these sources of water. So
0: can you explain for listeners what a watershed is?
1: A, A watershed is an area of land that basically collects rainwater, snow, if we had snow here, any type of precipitation. And it directs that water downstream, and the watershed is primarily directing freshwater rainfall to surface water streams, rivers, creeks, uh, lakes, reservoirs.
0: So these areas around these critical water supply sources that are what continuously sort of feeds them and keeps them vibrant. Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. It, it's you know, the, the, the quantity and the quality of the water that we drink uh, is dependent on keeping the, wet, the, um, the, the um, watersheds
0: uh, clean. So it sounds just, you know, in, in a very superficial way, that any kind of development within these watersheds needs to be considered very carefully because of the watershed's importance to our ecology oh yeah Is that fair enough
1: that, that's fair enough okay. I mean, they, right right in the the um, in the county water supply plant they have a 10- year plan that that's revised periodically and their policy in that plan that policy 9522 specifically states that they have a obligation to protect the watersheds They have an obligation to limit development in those watershed areas. They have an obligation to prohibit new roads in these watershed areas.
0: But, correct me if I'm wrong, recently we're moving forward with two pretty massive developments east of the future development area boundary, at least partially in watersheds, and really close to that reservoir, Lake Manatee.
1: Well, they're they're predominantly in the two watersheds in in, in the uh, late, uh, Manatee uh, River. So that doesn't sound like it's following that policy. You they're, just they're not. No, no, they're, they're contradicting and going against their own policy. and, okay. and uh, you know I don't know why they're doing that, other than again, you know, short term gains for some.
0: Now let's talk about the idea of so. We're talking more specifically about Taylor Ranch and the other one is East River Ranch, correct? East River, yeah. So, two large developments. One of them comes right up to Lake Manatee, basically. Can you talk about some of the dangers of developing that close to a reservoir?
1: Well, they both come right up to Lake Manatee. They're right across State Road 64 from Lake Manatee. Uh, Taylor is the furthest one to the, to the west, and then East River is right next to that, just to the east, and... To some extent, they are uh, continuous and coterminous, but it's kind of a snaggle to the zigzaggy line to make them so. Mm. Um, and, and honestly, the, the, the Taylor, the first one coming up, is supposed to be coterminous and contiguous with uh, existing infrastructure developed immediately to its west, which is still not done yet. It's still being built out. They don't have the right size pipes in the ground. Even when they're done, they will not have those pipes to deliver enough fresh water to those two developments that they're planning.
0: And, and the second development, East River Ranch, is uh, sort of contingent on the first one for it to be coterminous and contiguous. right? That's right. Okay. That's right. I, so we're like it, piggybacking. Exactly. We're basically doing, I remember when they passed that policy that uh, allowed them to go east of the FDAB, they said that there's no chance that you'll have leapfrog development. But that sounds exactly like leapfrog development in that sense.
1: It sounds like that's what they're doing, yeah. And, and th- there's nothing now at this point to prevent them from doing development, ca- tagging on all the way to the county line to the east.
0: I mean, they can just basically And that's what the folks p- in Mayaka are worried about and why you're seeing so many of them show up, right? Yeah, the
1: Mayaka City folks are looking at the, the bulldozers and, and the pavers, and there's nothing keeping them back from paving all the way to DeSoto and uh The other county lines there to um, to on the east side, Hardy on the east side, yeah. So, uh, but but you know the the problem with having these developments uh, right up against the reservoir, Lake Manatee, and in predominantly in both watersheds is that you pave over all of the land that would normally percolate the rainwater. contain it and keep it from running off quickly, okay? In order to uh, hold the runoff back, what our um, policies require is for them to build these, a massive amounts of drainage structures in the form of retention ponds, detention ponds. Lakes, as they like to Diges. say, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they, they market it really well. Lakeview. Like, oh, Lakeview property. is like, yeah, you know, last year when we were in that drought, everybody was <laughs> complaining in those communities that had lakefront property. Well, they were dry. They were muck in the bottom because, well, they're not really lakes. They're drainage structures, and they're doing what they're supposed to do. You have a drought, and there's no water. So, yeah, that's what you're going to get. But, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, going back to those stupid things that we've done as human beings in the past, like dumping our garbage in the ocean and, and uh, you know, drilling down deep, deep well injection and injecting our hazardous toxic waste down into the ground and eventually will come back to haunt us. Uh, disturbing-
0: no, I've been, I've been told, Mark, <laughs> I've been told several times that the science of deep well injection – is a hundred percent safe, and that you can build these wells and separate them from the aquifer, and nothing will ever ever go wrong. Well, you haven't heard that? <laughs> I, I haven't
1: heard that, and and I would I would disbelieve uh, anything that's a hundred percent anything. Yeah, because how many times
0: throughout human history, you know, some of the things that you mentioned were we always assured that oh, the science backs this up perfectly exactly. until it doesn't, and then there's always an enormous cost for future generations that have to deal with that. And like I said, Florida has such a history of those sort of bungled decisions that we should be enormously skeptical. Anytime somebody says something that doesn't quite sound right. And then promises it'll be fine.
1: Yeah, drain the Everglades. Right. Right, right. How many hundreds of billions is it taking to reach? Yeah. It? And we're
0: still doing it and we still are not keeping up with the continued, you know, degradation of, of those bad decisions of the past.
1: Right. Right. Well, yeah, getting back to, to the developments east of the, so-called FDAB line, Mm -hmm. future uh, development area boundary. When you do that kind of development, not only are you paving over and putting up your tile roofs to cause a lot of runoff and and very little percolation. um, You're having to dig these deep uh, drainage structures and ponds out to sort of replace whatever wetlands got filled in, which is a super stupid idea. Our, our, the way we handle wetlands in this state is, is atrocious. I mean, that's, that's tantamount to dumping our garbage in the ocean. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but uh, you remove the ability for the rainwater now to percolate down into the ground.
0: To become, so it's not doing the same thing in those big ditches as it doing, would be if it was just green. Absolutely greenwater.
1: not. In fact, it's doing a lot of harm. Uh, you know, it, it, what normally should happen is it should percolate down. The, the watershed would collect that surface water directed to your streams and your lakes and your reservoirs. Also, it's going to allow water to percolate down into the aquifer and recharge the, uh, the Florida aquifer, the upper and lower aquifers, which is where we get a lot of our drinking water. All of our, 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 our um, well wells, our East, East County wells are tapped off, I believe, in, in the upper Florida aquifer. And uh, so now you've got hundreds of these Deep ponds. Some of them are 40, 45 feet deep. Um, you know, several acres each in in size. Um, throughout this, you know, two, three thousand acre development. So now the runoff is going to be collected. Okay, and it's going to be concentrated, and all of the chemicals and toxins that are washing off of people's yards, off of the roads, off of the, off of the rooftops. Um, I mean, you know, lead fuel. We still have lead fuel. They call it unleaded, but there's still lead in the fuel. Well, and that lead eventually winds up on the ground and it gets washed out, it gets washed out by the rain and, and storm water. And now these ponds are going to be collecting it. Instead of percolating it through and having some filtration, it's going to be collected in these big uh, retention ditches. And over time, you're going to have a concentration of this silt and muck and contaminated toxins, fertilizers, chemicals, pesticides, all kinds of stuff going to collect there. And once you get your hundred-year flood, it's going to cause a big surge, flush it out. It's going to go downstream right into our reservoirs because we're in the we're in the we're in the watersheds. It's going to flush right out there. It seems like we've been getting the hundred-year floods, you know, every five years lately. Right. Uh, <laughs> So now you've got all of that uh, siltation going into the reservoirs and along with the toxic materials. So now when we pull our surface water off from the water supply plant, we have to do additional treatments to get that stuff out of there so we can drink it, Um, plus the fact that with the additional siltation dumping into the reservoirs, you're reducing the volume that the reservoir can, can hold. You know, the more oh, d- yeah, you're yeah. dumping this dirt sense. in there, right. right? Essentially, over time, you're dumping this sand and dirt in there, and so the, the depth of it of the, becomes less. Yeah. So you're holding less water.
0: And, and they, they have, a, a like, a lifespan as well, right? Like, they do have a lifespan,
1: yeah. They do have a lifespan. Um, you know, dams and, 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 and pounded reservoirs can, d- depending on construction and, and geology and so forth, can can last anywhere from fifty to maybe one hundred fifty years. Just depends. But I'm, but I'm guessing
0: not, that what you're telling me is that the more you're dumping in there, the more you're decreasing that lifespan of that of that important reservoir. Correct.
1: Right. Yeah. And you know, it's it's not going to last fifty to one hundred fifty years without some maintenance. There's true. got to be maintenance. In fact, right now our water supply programs for the the um, capital improvement programs, I think, earmarked. The next ten years, about two hundred and thirty-five million dollars, just for this county. That's a whole lot of money to go into our water supply to just make what we're making today. That's just to keep,
0: just to maintain, maintain current what we levels. Have. Yeah,
1: yeah, just to maintain what we have. And with all of the growth and the overdevelopment that's occurring, we're going to have to notch that up. And uh, you know, we, we can't afford to have unsustainable development. Shortening the life of our reservoirs and having them to uh, causing them to have to be demucked more frequently. It costs a lot of money. Um, th- there there was a uh, request for proposal ad by the water supply plant in Manatee County just a few weeks ago. They're advertising for a dewatering system. They need a new dewatering system because
0: Can you explain what that does.
1: Uh, it, 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 when they take surface water out of the reservoirs or when they pump it up, even from the, uh, aquifer and the wet from the wells, there's sediment in, in, uh, in, in the water that has to be filtered out. And we've got, uh, centrifuges and microfiltrations and different methods for getting that sand and muck and organic material out of the drinking water, which is typical, but now you've got this wet sludge. What do you do with it? Well, you have to dewater it. You have to take the um, take that water out and, and, and lay that, the, the, the muck out to, to dry. Uh, and it builds up over time. So the, the ad, the request for proposal stated that the county water supply is at its, reached its maximum amount and cannot expand any further because they don't have the dewatering capacity. Mm. So until they get this new uh, portion of the plant built and operational, they're pretty much stagnant on their ability to produce more water, to produce and deliver it. So Might, uh, might
0: be an incentive to pause <laughs> growth uh, and development you, wherever you, you can.
1: You, you'd think so, wouldn't you? And, and it, it's a double edged sword because now not only do you have to dewater the, the soil, uh, the muck, but now they, they, the muck is supposedly not toxic, but it's not good enough to use as topsoil and fact fills. So it goes to the landfill. Oh, so oh, now you're yeah, decreasing yeah. the, right, right. You're yeah. increasing
0: the contribution to landfill, decreasing its life cycle.
1: Right, right. And and this is all going to occur with this uh, overdevelopment east of the FDAB. So who's going to pay for that?
0: Well, the existing <laughs> yeah, residents, uh, right? Uh, subsidizing uh, the cost of new growth.
1: Right. So j- just the other week, of course, our, our county commissioners had to um, raise the, uh, cost of water for everybody in the county and it, it was they claim it to be modest 10 uh, percent for two years over the next two years initially they stated they needed a 50 percent increase that they're gonna drag out over a five-year spread out over a five-year period and that's that's not too bad of an increase uh it, it's um, it's an unfortunate thing it wasn't I mean, our water supply system is getting pretty old, and a lot of the uh, transmission and distribution pipes are, are old. Some are original, you know, 50, 55-year-old concrete underground pipes. That uh, yeah. Last Christmas, we just had that really bad leak on that uh, feeder that uh, serviced up in the um, parish area. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, it took yeah. about several months to get that fixed. Well, that was – they patched it up, and that was one of the old concrete pipes that, that cracked and uh, had been leaking for a really long time, and they finally uh, put a patch on it. But ultimately, there's maybe still 15 miles of that old pipe in the ground that has to be replaced. And so the, these other capital improvement projects are
0: necessary uh, just to maintain where we're at. So adding to that list is – Going to create enormous costs, and you were telling me previously that, you know, yes, they were explaining that well. We have some of the lowest rates, but your explanation was we should, we because, should, yeah, because <laughs> we're blessed with this, you know, we are
1: blessed with an abundance of fresh water sources with the rivers, the aquifers. Um, you know, up until this point, we've kept our East County pretty much. Um, Free from overdevelopment, and uh, we, we tried to uh, maintain that policy of conservation and preservation of the watersheds. So we had a, a very abundant amount of good quality uh, drinking water. But uh, you know, um, <laughs> the uh, increase in the population, the demand for the water. There's there's only a certain amount. I mean, the, the carrying capacity of this area to sustain as much water demand as is coming down the pike is uh, is gonna be exceeded, if we haven't already exceeded that.
0: that. And that's something that, you know, I remember years ago, uh, a hydrologist explaining in a, in a talk that I was at, uh, the long-term groundwater modeling for the state, it's bleak in just 30 years. And that's at normal, that was at that time, and this is probably about 10 years ago, And they were saying that that's with current uh, population growth and development trends. Well, that's only ramped up since then. So, you know, that whole idea of, you know, the the basic water cycle that we all learn in elementary school, you know, it requires that rainwater to be able to recharge aquifers go back into the ground. And one estimate that I had read, and this is, again, going back a decade ago, was that we're t- we're taking it out at roughly 15 times in Florida what we're allowing it to go back in at. So the groundwater modeling is showing that, and and you can speak to this better than me. My understanding is we have an extremely unique ecology, particularly underground. It's been explained to me as Swiss cheese in terms of how Florida's aquifers and the the uh uh you know the the, the kind of temperamental nature of everything under our surface in Florida.
1: Right, yeah, there, it's it's the the uh, upper and lower Floridan aquifers are predominantly limestone and dolomite, which have a certain porosity and a certain permeability, but they they kind of act like sponges and they hold water. Um, they do it well, uh, and and that's the the one of the blessings that we have, which is why we should have really really inexpensive water. <laughs> right, and and. and when you start taking out more than you're putting back in or allowing to come be put back in. And again, we've been pretty fortunate in the last maybe 10 years or so, we haven't really had a severe drought. Although I think right now we're like eight inches behind on the rainfall this year and we're hitting into the dry season season. So we may have a problem this year, but um, yeah, cause
0: that's another part that you always have to consider is that weather patterns change rainfall. Uh, y- you can go a decade with historically low amounts of it. So it's, it's very hard to, to just predict what's going to happen,
1: correct? Right, yeah. And the, and the water plan that the county has uh, engineered by uh, a company called Corello, they do a good job. Uh, they uh, say that our uh, drought reserves are about 60 to 90 days. That's about all we got right now. And I, I would actually like to see that, that those engineering studies and plans be peer-reviewed. They haven't been to this point in time over far as I know as long as they've been doing these uh, plans and I think it's such an important uh, part of our uh, existence in the county economically especially I I think that it's important enough uh, to spend the extra money to have it peer reviewed by a third party uh, an engineering company to make sure that nothing's being missed or overlooked but, yeah, when you start taking out more water, than you're allowing to be replenished by the aquifers or by your surface water impoundment, by your reservoirs, or when you're ha- allowing them to become contaminated, which is going to happen mm-hmm. down the road, when you allow your wetlands to be destroyed, which, you know, our wetlands policy is crazy. Yeah,
0: let's talk yeah. about that for a second, because that we, we've had extensive what, three or four articles in Sunday's edition uh, regarding this, and we reported on how there seems to be we've shown public records, we've shown emails. There seems to be a lot of outside direction from big development in terms of how we should modify some of our county's policies. And the county is going through an enormous rewrite of the land development code, the comprehensive plan. And it seems to be, again, reverse engineered of developers telling us this is what we want to do. Let's come up with a policy that allows us to do it rather than, Hey, this is what we should do. And let's, you know, respect those resources. But, Right now, it looks like the county is moving toward moving backward in terms of wetland protections and looking toward maybe the bare minimum that the state requires. And the state does have statutes that says you have to do at least this. Like, for example, I, b- I believe it's like a 15-foot wetland buffer uh, with a 25-foot average, whereas the counties is 30 and 50, you know, 50 in the in the certain watersheds and so forth, and 30 regularly and they're looking at scaling that back. And that's in addition to all the wetlands that we allow them to destroy. So wetlands, as I understand it, are critically important filters that help clean and recharge this water as it returns. But then that buffer area, you know, coming off of the wetlands is also extremely important in order for that filtration process to start before it gets to the actual wetlands themselves, correct? Right. That's correct. And,
1: and, you know, it goes back to that idea of uh, short-term private gain, right? So reducing
0: that buffer (laughs) is going to make the wetlands themselves less effective. Is that correct? Exactly. And then any additional destruction of those wetlands then says, okay, well, they're not doing the job that they're supposed to do either. So that means that more of these pollutants are going to get to places that they're not supposed to get to, correct?
1: Basically, uh, yeah, that's, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, that's correct and and, and i and, and i'm just gonna guess please, that
0: these wetland mitigation banks they have where they say okay go ahead and destroy it here and then we'll plant wetlands somewhere else that's not a a zero to zero ratio is it? that
1: that's such a bogus concept i can't believe it's ever gotten off the ground that that's that's back to one of those bad ideas you know dumping your guard your, your sewage and garbage mm-hmm. in the ocean i i can't believe that ever took off uh it just Destroying 50 acres of wetlands uh, in, let's say, a, a pristine, critical watershed area is not equivalent to making an, a new artificial wetlands out in the middle of a prairie somewhere where there shouldn't be a wetland in the first place. But they're saying that, no, that is equivalent, and that's a, a, an even-steven swap-out. You know, it shouldn't be allowed. But, I mean, are... Our, 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 up into this point in time are relatively inexpensive water costs is due to the fact that manatee county has had very stringent more stringent requirements for uh wetland protection than what the rest of the state allows and you get rid of those protections, we And the benefited. state
0: encourages you to, that's also in the constitution where they say you have to do that, but they not only empower counties and municipalities to have their own policies, they encourage them to create policies that would further respect and protect those critical habitats, They, they do,
1: they, they encourage them and uh, they, they really uh, expect them to do that. Mm. So the fact that Manatee County years ago adopted more stringent policies is not a surprise. And and like I said, we have benefited from that, and yeah, the, 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 this recent idea of Manatee County reducing its uh, protection of wetlands is is a really bad idea. I'm glad to see some of our area uh, activist um, organizations like Suncoast Waterkeepers, uh, Minnesota 88, um, uh, the Right to Clean Water, now uh, in uh, Fort Myers, a couple others around have.
0: Thousand Friends of Florida,
1: Five Thousand Friends of Florida. Yeah, they they've got petitions going, and they're trying to get some uh, Florida Constitution amendments going to increase the protection of our surface water, not decrease, and increase the protections of our um, wetlands and and not decrease. Because and it's not just the water we're talking about with the wetlands; it's the whole ecosystem. It's the uh, endangered species that rely mm-hmm. on, like the, the the wood storks and. Uh, the sandhill cranes and uh, you know all of the amphibians that that rely on the wetlands for survival and there's a whole balance
0: there. that's,
1: you know you just you, you disrupt that balance, especially you disrupt it in a critical watershed area, and things change uh, with negative impact very quickly.
0: And let's not forget how much of that water that would otherwise be filtered and returned to the aquifer. Ends up being discharged into the Gulf and other other uh, critical waterways and the bays, and then you're increasing. My understanding is you're increasing the nitrogen level in those waters in the in the shallow parts of the Gulf, so that when the red tide uh, uh, spawns, and yes, we've always had red tide, and yes, it starts offshore, but you're providing an environment. Are, you, we're already phosphorus rich because of what Florida's made out of, you know, in those waterways, and then you're putting. A lot of p and k there and then that's my understanding is that's creating a very uh optimal environment for a algal bloom to spread and be successful in but that's the opposite of what we want if we if we want you know optimal beaches and and golf correct
1: uh, yeah, right. I mean, if you wanted to get a handle on the red tide and the blue-green algae mm-hmm. and get seagrass to grow on again and stop the starvation of the manatees, it starts way upstream. It starts like in East Manatee County. And it starts with protecting that watershed and protecting the surface water and not allowing that uh, the, uh, the nitrogen and phosphorus to get flushed downstream, unabated, unfiltered to the larger bodies of water, of course.
0: So in layman's terms, this is what I'm hearing from you. Correct me if any of this is wrong, but (laughs) in in the most simplistic way that I could explain it to our, our listeners, it sounds like Manatee County is this wonderfully blessed area that has these great water sources and these at least had an enormous amount of wetlands. And we had this really functional system that essentially, Guaranteed that we would always have access to plentiful, inexpensive water supplies. And we are creating policies that will, you know, have a demonstrable effect of reducing the effectiveness of the wetlands, of the 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 buffers, and their ability to filter that water. We're going to increase the amount of toxicity that is in these, in these watersheds and, and in our reservoir, we're going to decrease the life cycle of that critical reservoir. We're going to degrade those watersheds and we're going to increase the amount of impact that we're having on making uh red tide and the algae blooms even, you know, more persistent and more, more, uh, uh, potentially, you know, long lasting and it's so it's going to impact everything from East County and and our, you know, greenbelt hamlets all the way to our beaches and 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 offshore and this is all being done under the guise that, well, hey, people want to move here so we got to build houses.
1: Right. Yeah, there's not much to correct there. I I, wow. would, I might add that I'm actually a little bit surprised that there has not been more outrage from the East County residents and citizens, the Mayaka City folks. There's been a lot, but apparently not enough because the commissioners say, oh, well, not anybody seems to care because we don't see, you know, hundreds of people down here in our chambers. But when when they build these developments like Taylor and East River, and they dig all these um, big drainage ponds and drainage structures out, uh, not only are they doing that that's going to affect the surface water, the groundwater of neighboring farms. who Everybody's got a farm pond mm. out there, right? It's going to affect their wells. Okay, they all rely on wells, not just for drinking water and livestock, but for their crops as well. Now, since these developments are predominantly in wet in uh, watershed critical watershed areas with special treatment, they will not be able to use reclaimed water for most of the, the development. Their plan is to dig their own wells, okay, and use that well water for irrigation for all of the lawns that everybody likes to have that move into Florida and think they should have palm trees and green grass year-round, right. right? And no zero escaping here, <laughs> which should be a law, but requirement.
0: But, uh, you know, so now all of this- Where, where instead you have the opposite. You have, like, homeowners associations that require you do the, the opposite of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's
1: just bad policy all the way around. Um, so the, the the wells that are going to be drawing up for irrigation now, instead of being able to use reclaimed water, that's going to starve and in, affect in uh, negatively impact the other area wells that our farmers are using for the crops and the and their uh, livestock. So it's going to have a major impact. It's just going to have a major impact. Um, and it's not just
0: going to impact Manatee County, correct?
1: It won't just impact Manatee County. No, it'll impact Sarasota, DeSoto, Hardy, Hillsborough. Everybody's going to impact it. You know, we can't live in a silo. I know a lot of people like to think we can, but we can't. We're all connected. The ecosystem's all connected. We all breathe pretty much the same homogenized air, and the water's pretty much the same. Uh, There are certain, you know, segregated pockets like uh, the aquifer, the the Floridan aquifer is unique to this part of the world. Very fortunate because of that, but um, you know uh, that those, those developments out in East County is just such a bad idea. Um, there, there's absolutely the only good thing about it is that a few developers make a lot of money. Yeah,
0: you know, the, the the thing that doesn't get pushed back on that just boggles my mind is this ethos that's constantly you know promoted by the the our supposed representatives, even though. I think we know they're not representing us or our interests, certainly not our, our desires. Um, this idea that, well, people just wanna move here, so we have to build enough houses for demand. And it's like, why why do we have to degrade our environment just because somebody wants to you know move here from Massachusetts or New York or New Jersey or something and build a house? Well, we gotta build them one. Do we? <laughs> like, I, I don't see it that way. Well, no, that, that, that's a recipe, that's suicide. It's suicide because it's endless. Yeah, it's like, at what point simple. do we say, like, okay, the whole thing's ruined now? But th- did everybody get their house? Right. Yeah.
1: The the parasite killed the host. Now. Right. Now what?
0: <laughs> 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 so, yeah. You
1: know, a few weeks ago, our own Florida Department of Environmental Protection, who is I consider to be a fairly conservative agency, uh, very uh, pro business, mm-hmm. even they came out with a warning to the state house saying, look. We, we're looking at uh, permitting over 14,000 developments in Florida. And our surface water is being negatively impacted with every one. We can't keep doing this. Our own DEP said you cannot keep
0: doing Yeah, there's, this. there's something unique to Florida in the sense that, I remember this is also probably like a 15-year-old data point. Um, I think around 2010, the statistic was, of the entire state's population lives within five miles of the coastline of Florida. And, you know, of course you have the Orlando, you have certain pockets, but when you look at a land use map of Florida, it's like lit up orange all around the coast, and then it's mostly green throughout the, uh, the center. And a developer looks at that and says, boy, that's a lot of land to put houses on. But from an environmental and ecological standpoint, you just can't build all that out, not even close. We don't have the kind of environment, it's not Iowa, correct?
1: Right, it's not Iowa. And and yeah, if you wanna destroy this uh, aquifer that we're blessed with, just keep doing that. And that's what the DEP is warning as well, not, not just the surface water, but yeah. I'm sure they're concerned about the aquifer recharge. And you
0: talked about the lawns, you know, I, I do this exercise a lot when I for myself when I talk about public policy. Uh, and, and try to detach it from the debate and say, if an alien landed tomorrow, an intelligent being that had no preconceptions of you know what life on earth is like, and I had to explain certain things to him, one of the most difficult things I think to explain and what gives me maybe the least amount of hope for what we're gonna be able to do, because this should be such an obvious and easy answer, is I, I can imagine a conversation where, where this intelligent life form is saying, okay, hold on, so you built this house, and now there's grass and coverings and everything that are unique to this environment, but you don't want them. No, no, no. Why? Well, I, I want the grass like I had back up north, but that grass doesn't grow here. Oh, no, no, no. So what are you doing? Well, we, we could bring the grass here, and then we could dump a bunch of this poison onto the ground, and then, oh, wait, wait a minute, but that poison eventually ends up in your water, and you're having a lot of problems with that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, then it grows well. No, no, no. Then we've got to actually flood it with a whole bunch of water. We got to have sprinklers all over and giving it way more than the rainfall naturally gives it. If we keep pelting it with poison and water, it'll, 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 it'll grow and it'll be. And I'll have a green grass like back home. Well, what, why don't you just stay back home? <laughs> well, I, I don't want to live there because the weather is warmer down here. But but you don't like the grass here. No, no, I want the grass from home. So you're poisoning the area. You're poisoning the water. You're those beaches that you love that brought you here. You're poisoning that as well. And all of this is so that you can have the grass like yeah, yeah. And you're just gonna keep doing that. Like
1: <laughs> it's not sustainable. Right. It's just that simple.
0: I mean we like you said, why don't you have a policy where it's like, no, stay if you want the, you know, blue grass of Kentucky or you want the, you know, whatever else, stay the St. Augustine's stay somewhere where that grows. Right. We have so many natural coverings that you wouldn't have, you know, to to. to cover it with all these fertilizers and blast it with water. And if you don't want it, don't come. <laughs> yeah. Well, I agree. <laughs> but, but again, if we can't get people on board with that and then every new development I go through, all I see are sprinklers and, and often the sprinklers pointing at concrete, you know, you walk through them and they're, they're, yeah, they're that, hitting that, the road.
1: That too. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, in the water plan, the, the County's water plan, it's a 10 years out. And, uh, of course, since the last one was uh, written and published, a few years have gone by. So it reaches up to maybe 2031, the year 2031. And in that report now, they're already talking about finding alternate sources of water. Well, you know, all this water we've been blessed with, uh, I guess they're expecting it to not be as big a blessing in the next 10 years. And they're talking about desalinization. They're talking about reverse osmosis and these other forms of purifying water, whether it comes from the surface or from seawater or brackish water. You know, the, the, the lower aquifer, uh, Floridaian aquifer, is um, somewhat brackish uh, across the, the southern part of the state. So if we're going to be drawing up well water from down there, we would have to do desal and some reverse osmosis to- And a lot of that is because
0: them. of what we did to the wetlands, or to the Everglades, correct?
1: A lot of that is, yes. Saltwater intrusion that, that came intrusion, from training. Yeah, right. yeah. saltwater intrusion. So, right. That's right.
0: And but can you talk that, a little bit about desal? Because it seems to me that in almost every public policy field, business interests always have so much more faith in tech than science does. They always think, well, tech will just save us. But desal is not the miracle cure. No, the, the, I mean, our, uh, de- desal is very expensive. So what we're talking about is taking salt out of water, right? Right.
1: Yeah, and any type of mineral concentration. okay, uh, re- Reducing that in water to where it can be consumed by human beings and animals without any detrimental effects, right? Reverse osmosis is a way of desalinization where you basically just... Filter the, the heck out of the water and just
0: similar uh, to what we do with bottled water, correct?
1: Uh, pretty much, yeah. Okay. When the water purification that you drink, yeah, like different brands, yeah, it's it's um, a common osmosis, way. right? And reverse osmosis is a problem to an extent because they take all the minerals out. You actually have to start putting some minerals back, back in. in to where mm-hmm. it has some health effect and is not so um, starved of, of uh, essential minerals right. and nutrients and also you take all the minerals out and so forth, pure reverse osmosis water will just rot away your, your copper pipes mm. in, in a heartbeat, you know, <laughs> because there's nothing in there. Right, and we've so- dealt
0: with that years ago when we used, uh, uh, the, what was it? The, the, was it the salinity or hardness of water when those old pipes that are all have to be replaced now because they, uh, I remember I replaced one, was it copper back then? Oh, it was copper. Okay. Yeah, it's still,
1: well, it's still copper. Okay. A lot of people still use copper.
0: Was there something before copper that we used to use? Well, oh, we
1: use uh, um, a type of PVC, CPVC. Now, okay, iron. now the, right,
0: the PVC is replacing a lot of the copper. Iron, we used iron. Right, um, right. And the iron ones in particular, and the salinity would... I remember once I had a property where I had to replace it on, and when they dug it up, it literally looked like a leather boot. Mm-hmm. They were literally able to tear it with their hands Right. Oh. Where, where it had broken because... That breakdown. So you're saying these other processes can do that to the copper that's left, which is significant amount because we've only switched to PVC relatively recently in the connections to the houses and inside the houses and so forth. But the other thing about reverse, uh, or excuse me, with desal is we have a cautionary tale right here in Hillsborough, where that was going to be their solution. We're in Hillsborough County, at least. You know, uh, uh, this is another old data point, but it's I I can't imagine it's changed. The Amount of water they were drawing for uh, phosphate mining in Hillsborough County was roughly the equivalent of all the residential and commercial combined besides it. So it's 50% here, 50% there. And we have this you know, incredibly generous p- policy with how phosphate companies get to stick their straw into the aquifer and they pay one permit fee annually per year not by the gallon coming out the way the rest of us do. And what happens in Hillsborough County, first of all, the plant costs twice as much as was budgeted and it produces half as much as what was promised. I mean, it couldn't have been worse in that sense. But then what they do is when it, and again, it doesn't matter who's drawing the most water, when it kicks over and they have to use the desal water, then the residential commercial gets the additional charge on it where phosphate mining doesn't have to contribute to it. So this is just another way where, we, as the residents, are subsidizing new growth, new development, industrial uses, all these other things, at an expense that doesn't need to exist.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah, we've become very much of a socialist uh, economy. Reverse socialist, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Reverse socialist. Well, uh, Capitalists uh, on the way up, socialism <laughs> on the way down. <laughs> right, right. But no, I mean, you know, technology cannot solve every problem, and you cannot engineer your way out of every problem uh even if you can find a way it's usually very very expensive look look at restoring the everglades right right you know the efforts are incredibly expensive and they're kind of half-baked they'll help a lot better than doing nothing but uh, not nearly as good as if we had just left it alone right uh and and the price uh and reliability for desal or reverse osmosis is not there you know, the, the costs are high. The reliability is low. They're also very
0: energy intensive themselves. Very they have a big carbon en- yeah, footprint. Very,
1: very energy intensive. Yeah. Reverse osmosis and diesel both are very, very energy intensive. So, you know, more money, more right. money, more money per gallon of water that you're going to drink. And water
0: is expensive to move. So, like, if, if you're – the more that you're centralizing where you're going to get it from, then the more cost there is in trying to get it out further away – than there is from having an effective way to collect and reuse the water as close to the source as possible correct
1: yeah fairly correct yeah fairly correct um, yeah and the florida's fairly flat so you don't have a lot of uh, influence and of gravity to help with a lot, you know, right so right so you've got the towers you won't pump water mm-hmm. up in the towers or not off-peak hours and use that gravity for distribution but yeah for the most part conveying water water is heavy
0: it's, yeah uh, it's, it's it costs Well, Mark, I appreciate it very much. I desperately hope that our listeners and our readers are picking up on this and that everybody realizes what a critical moment we're in right now as we rewrite these policies. Tallahassee is having a breakneck pace session where it seems like they're just all trying to outdo each other in terms of what they're passing in the legislation um, with just (laughs) depressingly little amounts of debate and, and even conversation about what some of the long-term impacts can be. And Manatee County seems to be sort of ground zero for a community doing the same thing. And it makes me feel like the decisions that are being made locally and at the state level right now are going to have a drastic impact on 100 years of what happens in this state ecologically. And I think that if we don't wake up and say... Hey, man, we don't want you turning this place into a toilet and then leaving for the next place that you're going to profit off of. We'd like to kind of keep this beautiful subtropical paradise for a while. If we don't wake up and, you know, throw the bums out, as they say now, I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot we can do, you know, a decade down the road.
1: may not be. Yeah, it's uh, we're kind of at the very critical turning point right
0: now. Well, thank you for all you do. Thank you for, you know, screaming from the mountaintop and trying to get somebody to listen. I hope you'll continue to do it. I hope more people will join you. And most of all, I hope that the people who make these decisions start listening.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me. My pleasure.